48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. The chief executive vows to forge ahead with the Land Our Vision project and says she's found that land needed to meet public housing demand for the next 10 years. And President Xi congratulates US President-elect Joe Biden on his election victory. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, has vowed to push ahead with her proposed massive reclamation project off Lantau, despite opposition. In her policy address, she defended the Lantau Tomorrow Vision scheme, saying even though the government has already identified land for building flats that will meet demand for more than 10 years, it still won't meet Hong Kong's medium and long-term housing needs. The LegCo Finance Committee is expected to discuss the funding request this Friday. Mrs Lam made it clear the project shouldn't be delayed any longer. If you ask me, I would say the Lantau Tomorrow Vision is, uh, is wonderful for Hong Kong. I have outlined the six advantages and the economic benefits of Lantau Tomorrow Vision, but still there is a lot of uh, objection, uh, but we still proceed. So I wouldn't agree that uh, whenever there are obstacles, I would not proceed, because that would mean a very lame duck as our government if uh, whenever there are obstacles, that one would not proceed. Meanwhile, the chief executive says the government has found all the 330 hectares of land needed to meet demand for public housing for the next 10 years. Carrie Lam says the sites identified will provide 316,000 public flats, more than the expected need for about 301,000. The land for much of the flats comes from reclamation in Tung Chung and agricultural plots and brownfield sites in new development areas such as Kutung North and Hong Shui Kyu. Also included are plots in Kai Tak, the Anderson Road Quarry site and part of the Fanling Golf Course. The largest pro-establishment party, the DAB, said it welcomes the announcement, but legislator Horace Chung said he's not sure the government can deliver on its promise. We don't know the details how the government implement or carry out the policy when they say that they have sufficient land for public housing in the next 10 years. But whether we can keep the promise of three years for the uh, applicants to go to the public housing, that is the, the big question for the government to answer. And the government has unveiled a scheme to encourage companies to recruit local university graduates to work in the Greater Bay Area. Participating firms will be subsidised up to $18,000 per worker per month. Timmy Sung with that story. Chief Executive Carrie Lam announced Greater Bay Area Youth Employment Scheme during her policy address, and sources later gave more details. They say of 2,000 total subsidised positions, 400 will be in the innovation and technology sectors. Participating firms must have operations both here in Hong Kong and across the border, and IT talent must be paid a minimum of $26,000 a month. Of that, the government will foot $18,000, or just under 70%. The remaining 1,600 positions can be in other fields, and the fresh grads must be paid at least $18,000 a month, with the subsidy falling to $10,000. These subsidies would expire after 18 months. The source said the $430 million scheme will be launched before the end of the year and last three years. The chief executive said the Greater Bay Area has huge development potential that can provide career opportunities for young people here, especially when the city's youth employment rate may remain in double digits for some time. She spoke through an interpreter. We also hope that our young people can set their sights on our country, seizing the opportunities to study, work and live in the GBA so as to broaden the scope for realizing their dreams. The government will also be earmarking $100 million for young people to start their own businesses in the Greater Bay Area. 
Mrs. Lam says subsidies will be given to 10 NGOs to support 200 or so startups, benefiting 4,000 people. The Guangdong government has agreed to support the scheme by providing co-working bases. And President Xi Jinping has congratulated U.S. President-elect Joe Biden on his election. Mr. Xi said promoting healthy and stable Sino-U.S. relations not only served the public interests of the fundamental interests of both countries' peoples, but was also expected by the international community. Mr. Xi said both countries should stick to no conflict or confrontation, mutual respect and the spirit of win-win cooperation to promote the noble cause of world peace and development. Sino-U.S. relations have hit historic lows in recent months as the two superpowers have traded barbs over a variety of issues, including the trade war, espionage accusations, human rights, media freedom and technological rivalry. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. The chief executive suggested in her policy address that the government may introduce another universal COVID-19 testing program to curb the spread of the virus. But Carrie Lam cast doubt over the practicality of a lockdown and mandatory COVID testing for all amid calls from the pro-Beijing camp to do so. In a press conference this afternoon, Mrs Lam said mandatory universal testing would involve a lockdown of four to eight weeks, as well as the closure of the airport and land borders. Can Hong Kong survive? with a city lockdown of four weeks, can you as an individual tolerate a stay-home mandatory order for four weeks? Can we as a government find ways to feed you being locked down at home for four weeks? Do we have that system? Do we have that capacity? Do we have that law-abiding, compliant population to follow that requirement? I think these are very pertinent questions that everyone who advocates universal mandatory testing should try to answer. A doctor was among 63 new coronavirus cases that have added to the dance cluster. That story from Wendy Wong. The tally for the dance cluster has now reached 250. One of the new cases is a 75-year-old obstetrician who works at two clinics in Mong Kok and Ma Anshan. One of her close contacts studies at Victoria Shanghai Academy, a private primary and secondary school in Aberdeen. The school has been advised to suspend classes temporarily. Health authorities reported a total of 85 cases on Wednesday. Of the 21 other new local cases, 16 were of unknown sources, including a cleaner who worked at the Asia World Expo, but the hospital authorities said she didn't work at his temporary medical facility there. Another patient is a 52-year-old woman. Dr. Tran Chukwan of the Center for Health Protection said she might have infected a close contact who just returned from Shenzhen and was being put under home quarantine in Hong Kong. They live together. The one under quarantine claimed that she did, did not go out during the quarantine period. The person who lived with her did go out. So currently we have quite a number of cases in the community. We are not aware of locally acquired cases in Samjan. We have to balance the possibility and the possibility of local acquired is higher. Of course, we, we won't exclude any until we have uh, found a definite uh, possible source. More than 60 others have tested preliminary positive, including a nurse who works at Glen Eagles Hospital. There was also one imported case from the UK. The government is scrapping the double stamp duty on commercial properties, citing liquidity difficulties for enterprises because of Hong Kong's recession. Candace Wong has more. 
In her policy address, Chief Executive Carrie Lam said the administration is heeding calls from lawmakers to abolish the doubled ad valorem stamp duty on non-residential property transactions. It was introduced in 2013 to tackle speculative behaviour in the market, but with a drop in demand for non-residential property as the economy struggles during the pandemic, Mrs Lam said she feels it is the right time to remove it. The CE said to allow property owners to benefit as soon as possible, the double stamp duty will be lifted from Thursday, adding that the Executive Council approved the move on Wednesday morning. But the CE stressed that she has no plans to change stamp duty rates for residential properties, given the tight housing supply and that residential property prices remain beyond the reach of the average households. The Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association has welcomed the government's commitment of $600 million for the tourism industry, saying it's timely relief for the struggling sector, especially for smaller agencies. The new measures will include a series of one-off cash subsidies for more than 24,000 travel agents, tour guides and tour bus drivers. Agencies that employ 10 or fewer staff members will get a subsidy of $100,000 each, while larger firms will get $10,000 ahead. But the association's president, Freddie Yip, also pointed out that the financial aid this time overlooked most operators of cross-border buses or coaches. They are very anxious to support them as well because they have really stopped the operations since February last year till now without any single income. And at the same time, every month they have to pay the rent, they have the maintenance of the car, they have to keep the car and they have to pay the interest of the car to the bank. That is all the expenses. The chief executive says co-location arrangements will be introduced at the new Huanggang control point as part of efforts to improve infrastructure at land boundary control points between Hong Kong and Shenzhen. Carrie Lam says Beijing supports the deepening of cooperation between both places and in a policy address said this would also involve improving the Lokmachao Huanggang control point. And the CHE has revealed that the landmark Jumbo Floating Restaurant in Aberdeen has recently been donated to Ocean Park, which is set to run it with non-governmental organisations as part of a wider government plan to revitalise the Southern District. Clarissa Young, who chairs the group Hong Kong Culture Monitor, says while the Jumbo Restaurant is a great sightseeing spot, the government should have consulted the Southern District Council about the plan. I can't see the reason why it will be passed to the Ocean Park. I'm also wondering why it is not included into the scheme that the government already has. It is the revitalizing historic buildings through partnership scheme. The most important thing is this idea didn't go to the Southern District Council to consult the councillor. So I'm not sure if the neighborhood would like this idea. The opposition camp has described the policy address as a gamble that will ruin Hong Kong. Democratic Party Chairman Wu Chi-Wai voiced his opposition to Carrie Lam's bid to further integrate Hong Kong with the mainland. To bet on the future of Hong Kong, on with the Bay Area and on the um, mainland economy, that will ruin the international community, I mean international city of Hong Kong. What Carrie Lam has done is basically the future of Hong Kong can only be relied on the development of the mainland economy, the Greater Bay Area, and to neglect the international relationship uh, change, what the, um, the whole policy address is taking Hong Kong people to a wrong direction. And the government says it will enhance the quality of Hong Kong's teachers by looking at their ethics and character, as well as who is allowed to enter the profession. Tom McAlinden reports. 
Chief Executive Carrie Lam says last year's social unrest has led many people to question the effectiveness of Hong Kong's education system, noting in her policy address that almost 2,000 primary and secondary school children were among the more than 10,000 people arrested in connection with the protests. She says the incidents reveal that law-abiding awareness of some young people is weak and that positive values such as mutual understanding and mutual respect are lacking. And it seems she thinks teachers are to blame. They have a far-reaching influence on the development of students, she says, and their job is to turn young people into the pillars of China in safeguarding one country, two systems. To this end, Mrs Lam says the government's going to enhance the quality of teachers through measures in respect of entry to the profession, training and management. She says the administration will hold talks with schools on teachers' ethics, character and conduct. But there won't be any political screening with all this, she says. We also have a role in the discipline of teachers because uh, the education um, authority is the registration authority of uh, all teachers in Hong Kong. There is uh, no involvement whatsoever of political screening, but of course, as a teacher, which more or less come into what we call a public service, then of course we expect the teachers also to uh, uphold the uh, basic law and to support the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region of the People's Republic of China. Mrs Lam says for the well-being of students, the authorities will take stringent action against teachers who are incompetent or commit misconduct. A warning comes after two teachers were recently struck off for life, one for preparing a lesson plan that allegedly promoted Hong Kong independence, and the other because some of the historical facts he taught his students were not accurate. Responding to the chief executive's comments, outgoing education sector lawmaker Ip Kin Yun accused Carrie Lam of making unfounded criticism of teachers, saying there's no evidence to show they've incited alleged scale protests over the past year. He called on the government to stop what he described as political suppression of teachers and focus on improving education-related matters, such as teachers' pay and refurbishing dilapidated school campuses. Overseas now, and thousands of protests have, have gathered in the Thai capital, Bangkok, to take part in the latest demonstration against the monarchy and military-backed government. The BBC's Celia Hatton reports. Scores of riot police are stationed outside the headquarters of the Siam Commercial Bank that is the focus of Wednesday's demonstration. The bank's largest stakeholder is the Thai king, Maha Wajiralongkorn. An increasingly vocal number in Thailand want him to hand over control of his sizable fortune and for meaningful government reforms to spread power beyond the military-backed ruling coalition. A nationwide campaign has been gathering momentum for months, and Thailand's leaders are now considering some limited changes, though the king's position is not up for debate. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. The chief executive vows to forge ahead with the Lantau Vision project and she says she's found the land needed to meet public housing demand for the next 10 years. And President Xi congratulates US President-elect Joe Biden on his election victory. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Political commentator Chung Kim Wah from the Public Opinion Research Institute says Carrie Lam's new policy address appears to promise more than it, can than it can deliver in terms of housing. The CE says her administration has already found enough land to satisfy Hong Kong's public housing needs for the next decade and has vowed to push on with a controversial signature Land Out Tomorrow project. But Dr Chung told Anna-Marie Evans things may not go as smoothly as Carrie Lam hopes. This is for me. 
major partisan agenda for the CAE since uh, assumption of duty. So uh, after this moment, after several years of delay, I think uh, she really wants to make this a uh, cornerstone for her to restore the confidence of Hong Kong people. But of course, uh, how far this program is going to be proceed is still a problem. Of course, we know that under the current legislative council, it's easier for her to get financial support from the electrical. But how far it could go to provide adequate housing and to actualize the goal and objective is still a long-term problem. I don't think this is going to serve uh, any uh, reason and urgent political agenda to ease the pressure on the government. Now on housing, she declared victory in the government's search for land to build homes. Do you buy her argument? Yeah, we have to remember that since, since uh, 2013, when the new long-term housing strategy was adopted by the then CEE, La Zanying, he claimed that the government is going to build uh, more than 490,000 flats uh, in the next 10 years. That, that means up to 2023. And up to this moment, we know that there are more than 40,000 sought for, for the original target. This is still a very humble speculation. So I think for the last 10 years, the housing target of the Hong Kong government is not really actualized. And now the CE said that she had already acquired adequate land for for this purpose. I'm not sure how she went by acquiring adequate land for this purpose because you know that the recent, recent uh, procedure for land, land reclaimed and we, we, we planning of some, some sites is going to go through some urban planning and town planning procedure and it would take years to do that. your thoughts on the policy address overall? I mean, Carrie Lam said the blueprint is aimed at restoring people's confidence. Has she been successful in that? Of course. Uh, if we just read the uh, uh, speech that uh, 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 this morning, uh, what she said, if we do not go into the reality, it seems that it all should be quite right and quite correct for the government to, to restore confidence of Hong people. But on the other hand, if we look into the reality, we know that uh, up to this moment, the government is still The government is scrapping the double stamp duty on commercial properties to make it easier for cash-strapped companies to divest their properties if they need additional liquidity. The additional duty was imposed in 2013 to discourage speculators. But the CE says with the non-residential property market in the doldrums, the measure is no longer needed. Real estate consultant Colliers International says it doesn't think the move will lead to a significant rise in commercial property prices. 
Hannah Jong, who, who heads the firm's valuation and advisory services, told RTHK's Candace Wong that demand for retail units and offices has been sluggish. This percentage of uh, the 8% something reduction is not really attractive to the investor because when people want to buy the office or retail shop for investment purpose, they will look at what kind of return they can get, what is their rental they can collect over the year. But the rental market is a very, very soft at this moment, and you will be it will get worse by middle of next year because we don't think the economy can recover that quick. So I think there will be still hesitation from the investor jumping into this commercial investment market yet. And in a way, uh, without this double stamped duty, would you worry that that would boost the prices for the commercial properties? Again, I think the volume will not increase because of this. Uh, removal of the stamp duty, the double stamp duty. So the price, I think there's a still limitation. You won't able to go up and it will, it's because of the very soft demand in the tenant market or rental market. So I think this stamp duty removal will help the volume a little bit goes up. So that means the transaction will happen, but you won't really boost up the price that much. So if we look at the retail market, yes, COVID-19 and border closing at this moment, we are not able to uh, secure the normal tenant in the retail shops. There are not many uh, restaurants or F&B business expanding in the market. So it will be very, very difficult to find a tenant if they want to invest on the retail market. And then office, saying the downtime of the economy, many companies are reducing their footprint. And they are worried about the fundamental cost of office rental. So people, uh, the normal business companies, they're looking for the cheaper options at this moment. Originally, do you know how much is this double stamp duty costing the investors and the property owners? It should be, the mechanism should be if you sell within a certain year, like two years as long as I remember. That should be 8.5%. So this double stamp duty was technically in order to minimize the speculation, like very quick sale. And as for the residential properties, the chief executive said um, she has no plans yet to change mm. stamp duties on that aspect. Yeah. Do you think that needs to be adjusted? I think, yes, uh, if government can consider the residential market also relaxation because of the still we are lacking of supply and not many people having their own home. So yes, government can consider this uh, issue because again, previously why government put special stamp duty or double stamp duty because they say, oh, we want to provide a home for Hong Kong people. We want to minimize the speculator. We want to minimize overseas buyers uh, such as mainland buyers or international buyers. Now, because of COVID-19 and the travel restrictions, etc., I think uh, the activities from uh, overseas buyers are quite limited. So why don't government to think about how they can utilize this time to provide the more affordable housing to the Hong Kong people? The CE also announced new plans to make it easier for cross-border travellers to board flights here in Hong Kong. People who drive to the SAI using the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge will in future be able to park on the Hong Kong side and proceed directly to the airport to board their flights. Carrie Lam also says Beijing has given the green light for the airport authority to inject equity in Zhuhai Airport to achieve greater synergy with Czech Lab Kok. Jim Gould asked Dr. Archim Zirny from Polytechnic University's Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies how that would benefit Hong Kong. 
compare Hong Kong and Zhuhai Airport, and you can see there are some differences, but they also, also there are some differences, but they also have uh, something in common. So, what are the differences? Zhuhai Airport is compared to Hong Kong Airport is a relatively small airport, uh, and also serving short more short distance flights. Whereas Hong Kong is serving uh, is a relatively big airport and uh, serving more uh, long distance flights. So uh, and. So these are two characteristics, so differences between the two airports. But then there is also the geographic. There are nearby airports. There are neighboring airports, and they are connected by this Hong Kong, Zhuhai, and Macau Bridge. So it's easy to travel between the airports. And that sort of altogether makes them really good partners because they can, both together, can help make a better use of their, they can help each other to make better use of their capacity. So we're talking about um, uh, partnerships or, or competitors, because uh, if the three major airports in Guangdong province continue to grow, uh, won't that make it uh, harder for Hong Kong? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, this is always a big topic, uh, uh, the, the sort of the competition. I know a little, little people are sort of worried, oh, there is this tough competition between the airports and how can we survive and so on and so forth. So I would be rather optimistic here. So the, if you think about the bigger picture, what is the bigger picture? It's the Greater Bay Area. The Greater Bay Area has a population that is bigger than the UK. So it is huge. It is a very dynamic growth region. And there are a handful of airports, right? So how can you have only one big airport in such a huge area? There are several airports, and I think the goal must be to ensure that everyone who is living in the Greater Bay Area can have good access to those airports that offers the most convenient flights to them. So I think this is sort of the issue. And then every airport will find their customers because uh, it's, it's just there's such a huge demand and uh, you need a lot of capacity so, to accommodate this demand. So, you know, I, yes, there's some competitive element here, not necessarily with two airports, right? I mean, it's obvious, this is what I just mentioned. I mean, the, the airports are quite different. They are nearby, yes. Uh, and that's, that, that is a good thing for the collaboration. Uh, but also they offer very different, different kinds of services. So I think uh, the collaboration between Hong Kong and Zhuhai doesn't really have a lot of uh, competitive elements here, but rather helps uh, Hong Kong to sort of make better use of their capacity. Operation Santa Claus 2020 is underway and is raising money for 19 worthy causes this year. One of them is an organisation providing pre- and postnatal care to migrant mothers, especially domestic workers. Radio 3's Raphael Bled spoke to Catherine Gurton about its project. Pathfinders exist to give a fair start in life to the children born to migrant workers, predominantly foreign domestic workers in Hong Kong. For the last 12 years we've been dealing with the crisis, the aftermath of, of a worker becoming unemployed. Um, what we're trying to shift more towards is, is finding more solutions uh, to prevent the crisis happening in the first place. challenge that we see is that when a worker becomes pregnant, um, actually neither her or her employers know how to handle the situation. Um, workers are entitled, like all women in Hong Kong, to maternity leave, um, currently 10, soon to be 14 weeks of maternity leave. Um, the challenge is that um, how does the employer 
cope during that maternity leave and the financial pressures of paying the, the four-fifths of salary, um, where the worker lives during that time, but also how, particularly if they have young children or ageing parents, how they then care for their own families while they're trying to support and do the right thing by their worker. So we often find that in those situations, because neither the worker or the employer knows what else to do, um, there are either illegal terminations, because it's not as illegal to, to fire a worker, or the worker is forced to resign or chooses to resign because they just don't know what the options are. And at that point, um, the worker immediately becomes homeless uh, within two weeks because they lose access to, um, because they lose their working visa, they then lose access to all public services, social welfare, healthcare, and if she's pregnant, things like prenatal scanning or screening is, is vital for, for the child. So we at Pathfinders exist to support both the mother and the employer, uh, fundamentally to find a good solution in the best interest of the child. Because fundamentally as an organisation we'd like no longer to exist, so the more we can focus on systemic change and how we can make this, this relationship work in the best interest of the child is, is a key priority for, for us. So with the Operational Santa Claus project, um, we're really looking to maintain our current services, but also to expand our services beyond sort of the first year of a child's life, particularly if they're still in Hong Kong, to make sure that they have all of the foundational support that they need before they enter into the school system. And um, so having the Operational Santa Claus support means that we can put more in place for a child between one and three when they enter the school system to provide them with opportunities for education um, and really supporting the mothers to make sure they know the process by which to be able to place a child in, in an educational care. And that was Catherine Girton from Pathfinders. If you want to know more or wish to make a donation to Operation Santa Claus 2020, visit our website at osc.scmp.com. Those stories were part of the News Wrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Sean Kennedy from our newsroom. Amid the epidemic, thanks to all for being self-disciplined to protect yourselves and others. Thanks for keeping up personal and environmental hygiene and contributing to fighting the virus. We must take further steps. Keep track of your whereabouts. If you are sick, don't go to work or school. See the doctor and get tested promptly. We will prevail over the epidemic. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Live across Hong Kong. This is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to remember. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Moments to remember. Title of this show or program. From now until 1 a.m. with Yostruli, Ray Codero, Radio 3. We're also available on internet.
That was Air on a G-String, played by Mantovani.